Does God want people to blindly trust someone who merely claims to be a prophet? Joseph Smith made prophecies in God's name that were never fulfilled. And that's what we're going to be discussing today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, an apologetics podcast to help equip Christians to engage the culture through biblical, critical thinking. Your hosts for this podcast are Robbie Lashua and Tyler Hurley. Robbie is pastor of apologetics at Desert Springs Community Church, as well as professor of apologetics, worldview, and ethics at Mission Bible Institute. He is a graduate of Phoenix Seminary, as well as a graduate of the Master's in Christian Apologetics program at Biola University. Tyler is currently earning his undergraduate degree in theology at Grand Canyon University and currently serves as an apologetics intern at Desert Springs Community Church. Hello, welcome to Christ Culture and Coffee. I am Robbie Lashua, and I am pleased to announce that I'm here with my co-host, Tyler Hurley. Tyler, welcome yes, back. Yes, thank you. It's good to be back. How was your honeymoon? It was amazing. We went to Hawaii, had a lot of fun, got to go snorkeling and go to a luau. We did a ton of stuff out there. It was, it was a really good time. So Nice. Well, yeah. the real question is, did you drink any good coffee? Actually, I did. I did. There was a, a couple of places there. Um, that we had some coffee. And uh, I, I can say we talked about it on one of our other podcasts before I left mm-hmm. that there are only two states in the U.S. that actually grow their own coffee. That's right. And yeah. Hawaii is one of them. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to a couple coffee places and uh, I, I thought it was really good. There was one that was called Maui Brewing Co. Oh, okay. And we really liked that place. So we, we went there all, like almost every day. It That's was really awesome. good. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was awesome. And the food out there was great. And uh, the weather was perfect. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, we had a really good time. So, dude, I'm so glad. That's awesome. But yeah. I'm glad you're back. I mean, it yeah, was nice. You had a honeymoon back. with Maddie. Yada, right. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm thinking about myself here. Yeah. I'm glad you're back because yeah, it was sad yeah. sitting here staring across the room at nobody. While yeah, I'm recording well, I mean, the podcast. Well, at least I mean, you got to do some cool stuff while I was gone too. Hiking the Grand Canyon. Get yeah, I did. Go out and yep, <laughs> that was pretty fun. Yeah, last Saturday I hiked the Grand Canyon, rim to rim, um, and it was awesome. Like, had such a fun time. Uh, I actually uh, took some coffee with me. Did you? Well, because last time I hiked, so we get up at like. Uh, like, we have to be ready to leave at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, oh, we're we're yeah. camping out on the North Rim, right? So it's cold. It actually snowed. I didn't tell you that. It snowed <laughs> wow. while we were up there. Yeah, like a lot. And so I'm camping out. It's freezing cold. I get up in the morning, and obviously you want some hot coffee, right? Right, yeah. So last time I did this, I didn't bring anything. Uh, I, I just had like like a Starbucks double shot, you know, cold espresso thing. Um, but this time I'm like, nope, I'm having hot coffee. I'm having hot oatmeal. And so I bought this like cool jet boil Bunsen burner thing uh, and uh, took that out, boiled some water. I brought a whole French press out. I brought some Nicaraguan coffee. Oh, that's great. Our friend in Nicaragua, Wade, he sent me some more Nicaraguan <laughs> coffee. Had that ready to go. And everyone's like, what is this? Oh, my gosh, this smells amazing. And they were trying to warm their hands up on it. And I said, hey, back off. This is, you know, this is coffee. (laughs) (laughs) But I gave some to a few people and everyone really liked it. Um, But it seriously made a huge difference for me having warm food and warm coffee in my body starting the hike. In the morning, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it was really cool. That's great. That's a good tip, too, if you ever go hiking early in the morning. Yeah, you need need hot. Yeah, especially, it was like, I think it was 24 degrees when we started hiking. Yeah, it was cold. So anyway, but I'm really glad you're back, man. It was fun being part of your wedding, obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, Thanks again for doing that. That too. Just yeah. everything went great. It was a lot of fun. 
good ceremony. It was, man. I think the whole night went really well. Um, so that was really cool. But definitely glad you're back and you're getting back, uh, not back to normal life. You're starting a new normal life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no with having Maddie at your place. You said you were putting together a bunch of furniture, all that. Yeah. But uh, glad you're there. So, uh, all right. So our coffee tip for today, really, uh, really good coffee tip, especially for this time of year, because it's starting to heat up and uh, you want some iced coffee, right? Oh, yeah. A way to cool off, though. Tyler, are you ready for this? Why not make some coffee and then freeze it in a popsicle? Wow. Have a coffee okay. popsicle. This is a genius idea. Think about think about all the possibilities you could do with this. You've got old leftover, you know, day-old coffee. What are you going to do with it? Well, put it into a popsicle mold and freeze it. You could have black coffee popsicles. You could put some cream in it, right? Oh, Add your yeah. favorite flavors. Make a cinnamon, honey, latte, frozen. I mean, there's pretty – you could do a ton That's a with good that. idea. Yeah. It is a good idea, put especially in, here in the Valley for the yeah, summer. Heck, you can just put it in some ice trays with some popsicle sticks and you're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah or, or, you know, even go down to Walmart and spend five bucks and buy, like, a big popsicle mold. Um, oh, yeah. And then you can make all of these different flavors, all of these different kinds. I think that's a pretty cool popsicle tip for the summer, especially when it's going to get so hot. Yeah, no kidding. That's a good one. Yeah, I haven't yeah. tried it, but we need to try it. Yeah, that sounds great. I think that would be that's awesome. A good idea. So Definitely. So the coffee tip for today, don't throw out your day-old coffee. Use it in a popsicle mold and then have a yeah. nice refreshing cold not cup of coffee stick of coffee in the <laughs> afternoon right uh, uh, that's awesome yeah so well today uh, we're gonna be talking about something um, uh, I, I find very interesting uh, about the LDS Church. Um, I've had Mormons come into my house again lately. They're out in the neighborhood. Mm. I actually was so excited the other day I saw them riding their bikes and they hadn't come to my house yet. And so I was driving, oh, I think we were going to my son's soccer game, and we're driving, and um, I saw them on their bikes, and I honked my horn, and I'm like waving at them. I was so excited. My wife's like, what are you doing? I said, I just want them to know we're friendly. That's all. I want them to know we're friendly here. And um, they came to my house a couple weeks ago, so I invited them in, um, definitely had some good conversation mm. with them. Uh, a, a couple of things I think are important when, when Mormons come to your door, because um, I, 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 I think it's important for us to put ourselves in other people's shoes. Now, yeah. obviously, I disagree with them theologically, right? Big time. There's so many problems with Mormonism, and, and we're going to talk about an issue with it today. Um, but one of the things that we're called to do is love people. Hmm. Jesus tells us to love everybody, right? Uh, love our neighbors. Love our Mormon neighbors. Love our Mormon elders that are knocking door to door, right? Love our enemies, and um, I think that a lot of people, I'm not saying Christians, but a lot of people treat Mormon um, missionaries badly. Yeah. Right? Can you imagine how many doors get slammed in their well, face? Yeah. I mean, they do that all the time. <clears throat> they have to go up into strangers' doorways and knock. And then, they, they, I mean, they're wearing the white suit with the yeah. name tag. You know who they are. Right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. It, it, I mean, there's a stereotype given on it that. Uh, uh, for them, with Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, that's like, oh yeah, the, here they are again at my door. It's like, yeah, they yep. they get a lot of uh, negative attention for that. And they I, do. You could see you could see where they be coming from. It's it's got to be a little bit tough being out there all the time trying to knock on doors and evangelize. Yeah, people I think you are know? just treating you bad, and that's actually a question I always ask them. I always say, are people nice to you, or are they like 
pretend they're not home or do they like slam the door in their face? Like, you can tell me, like, I, I can take it, you know, are people nice here or are they not nice? And they're like, well, yeah, a lot of people won't listen to us or they'll yell at us or they'll say that we're, you know, a cult or they'll slam the door in our face. It's kind of sad to hear them wow, recount yeah. their experience, you know? And so I, I always tell them, and then I, I really go out of my way to show it. I always got to say, hey, that's not kind because you're human beings and I care about human beings and I love human beings. And Jesus says we're supposed to love each other even if we disagree. And uh, I want you to know that I care about you and I want you to come hang out with me. You can come in my home. Um, you can have some food, right? I'll take you out to dinner. Um, I, I had these Mormons come in and we hung out for a while, but then I even took them out to donuts a couple days later, right? Uh, because I want them to know, like, uh, you're not just a project to me. You're human beings I'm supposed to love and care for because yeah. God says to you, Jesus said to you. And so I think that that's a tip for us as Christians is, man, we got to treat people kindly, right? Yeah, yeah. And listen, there's been times where Mormons have come over or Jehovah's Witnesses, and I don't have time to meet with them, right? Like, I'm, I'm heading out the door to get to work or get to an appointment, and um, I, but but instead of pretending not to be home, right, or, or slamming the door in their face or whatever, um, you can just say, hey, I, I got to leave right now, but can we set up another time for you to come by? They're more than happy to come yeah, back, right? right? Like, that's what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think as Christians, we really need to go out of our way to be kind and loving towards um, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses when they come to our door. They need to see the love of Jesus before they're going to listen to us about our theology. Right, yeah. And so with that, <clears throat> um, and you know how much I love coffee. So this is this is kind of a spiritual discipline for me. <laughs> when when I'm hanging out with Mormons, I, I won't drink coffee in front of them. Yeah, right. It's just kind of a um, it's just kind of a, a barrier that you'd have. Uh, not because I can't, not because I don't have freedom in Christ. I do, and and their whole idea on coffee is wrong. And we actually had Eric Johnson from Mormonism Research Ministries on uh, a while ago, and we talked about where they get that idea from, where they can't drink coffee. Yeah. But I think it's just loving not to like rub that stuff in their face. Mm. You, no, you know no, I, mean? I see that. It's like in the same case. I think with an alcoholic, and it's like you know, if you know that this person doesn't want to drink, and they're you, you want to, you want to not do that in front of them to mm-hmm. cause them to stumble. And obviously it's a little different, but I mean, uh, this, the point still applies with Mormons where it's like, if you know that they intentionally don't drink coffee because it's against their conscience, they're like, no, we can't do this because yeah. that's what it says, then uh, it's respectful to them. And it goes to show that you care about them. Yeah, you do that too. Yeah, I think so. I think it goes back to like when Paul says, you know, I become all things to all men that I may reach some with the gospel. Yeah, <clears throat> is I can I can I can give up drinking coffee when I'm at the donut shop <laughs> because I care about my, my my you know Mormon neighbor and I want them to know who Jesus is and and come to understand who he really is, not who they believe he is. You know? Yeah, so, right. I don't know. What are some other tips? Like, what are some other ways? Because I know you've talked with a lot of uh, Mormon missionaries. What are some ways yeah. you've not not what you said, not the arguments, but your demeanor and how you've tried to show them love and oh, kindness. Right, yeah. Well, um, the first time I met with some elders, it was uh, it was really genuine, honestly, with me and my friend Chase. We ended up uh, we ended up talking to them for a couple months, actually. It went on for almost nine months straight of meeting with them, and something that was common that was happening with, with it, they, they, they were... We, we were up front with them. We told them we were Christians, we were believers, and, and uh, we just wanted to discuss doctrine and what they believed. There was a lot that we still didn't know, about Mormonism. We were learning at the time, this is when we were uh, juniors in high school, about to go on our uh, Salt Lake Mormon trip. So it was during our training, we were learning more about it. So at the same time as we were learning more uh, youth group and for our mission trip, we were also learning from them and we were asking them personal questions. And something that we did say to them a lot was, uh, 
um, that we appreciated them and because when we got back from the trip, we, we told them about how there were some Mormons uh, that we talked to when we were in Utah even that um, – that once we were up front with them and talked with them about it, that they they seemed hostile towards us. Like yeah. once we met w- met with at the temple, like in Temple Square, that started kind of just getting upset when we first even told them that we were Christians. Mm-hmm. They were like, "Yeah, like what's what are you doing here? Like why are you doing this?" But they were kind of getting revved up even before we dialogue with them. But then um, I kept affirming that to them. I was like, "Look, there there have been other people that we met with, and like we don't blame." all Mormons for bad interactions with sure. some. But uh, I told them, I was like, you know, you guys are really nice. We, like, And I would consider you guys to be like my friend. And I, f- I w- just want you to know that I appreciate the way that you've been carrying yourselves throughout this conversation. You've been willing to listen to hear what we have to say. And I think I think all in all, it, it was really respectful the way that we handled it with them. And, I mean, they handled it with us. Like, mm-hmm. just the whole dialogue, I think it went really well. So. Well, I think that's so healthy. And, like, even yeah. one of the things, after, I, after I'm done talking with Mormons every single time, one of the things I'll do is I'll ask them. I'll say, was I mean to you? When we were talking, because I don't want to be mean to you. Was I was I too forceful? Was I hostile? Was I was I you know contentious? Was I making fun of you? Um, because I don't want to come across like that at all. Um, and even just verbalizing those things helps them go, okay, this guy actually cares about me, right? He's yeah, not just yeah. trying to win an argument or tell me I'm wrong. Right. He cares about having a conversation, even though we both disagree. Mm-hmm. We can still respect each other and be kind to each other. And love each other. Yeah, when you told me that, I thought about it. I think I, I think that's a really good method when meeting with them is trying to because it not only affirms with them that you care about them, but it's mm-hmm. also checking yourself and making sure, like, yeah, was I contentious? Because it it can be easy to get frustrated and to um, get get worked up over it because sure. it's it's hard when um uh, not even with Mormons uh, with dealing with uh, discussing any sort of apologetics with people who disagree with you. Um, it can be tough. It's uh, it's hard, and so it, it's good to keep yourself level-headed and to um, rely on the spirit, and then to to follow up with them after after discussion to make sure that um, you're you're both on the same page and that everything yeah. everything was well, everything went well, you know. So I, yeah. I think that's really really good advice. I think so too. One of my biggest fears is I mean, think about this, Todd. And this yeah. has happened. One of my biggest fears is that I would be talking with Mormons. And these guys who believe in the wrong Jesus act more Christ-like than I do. Mm. That's a horrible idea. And the truth of it is, is, I've seen Christians interact with Mormons, and the Mormons acted more Christ-like than the Christian did. I've, I've seen that happen It's before. no good. Yeah. Like, we cannot lead like that. We have to, obviously, yeah. truth and grace, right? Jesus was full of truth and grace, mm-hmm. both. Uh, we can't just be all truth and be yelling at them. So I think how we go about talking to them is important. But again... This is an apologetics podcast. So what we talk about and the arguments that we have have to be cogent. They have to be logical. They have to make sense. And uh, this is actually one of the tips. I know I, uh, I shared this with you guys uh, when we were training to go to Salt Lake a long time ago. Right. Um, but this is still one that I use when Mormons come to my house. I have four techniques, four approaches to evangelize to them that I use regularly. And I know early on in the podcast, we shared one of them on the true testimony. Um, but this is one based on Joseph Smith. Yes. And if, if Joseph Smith was really a prophet from God, how, how can we know if he was? How can we know if he wasn't, right? And if he was, right. man, we should all follow him. But if he wasn't, they shouldn't follow him. And that's right. kind of this, yeah. this approach. So let's walk through and share with our listeners the, this uh, true prophet witnessing approach uh, to, for, for our LDS friends. 
Yes, yes. And so right here, um, what's really, really interesting about this is you can go into the Old Testament of all places where you can see that there is a test for prophecy. That uh, mm-hmm. God doesn't, like we said in the pre-intro, God doesn't want us to blindly trust in anyone who claims that they are prophesying in his name. Yeah, because yeah. anybody could say that, right? I could say, I'm a prophet. God wants you to give me all your money. Yeah. Right? Well, who, right. who's to say who's a prophet and who's not? Exactly, right? yeah. And how can we know? And he gives us a concrete test. He's like, this is how you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that I think is is really important. Anytime you hear someone make a prophecy or read about it in Scripture, uh, a good exercise to do is to take this too, even and go throughout the, the Old Testament prophecies and see does this line up with it. So, yep. um, so what's the test? How can we know if someone's a true prophet? Yes, yes. So how we can know is found in Deuteronomy eighteen twenty through twenty two, where it says, "But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods." That prophet shall die. You may say in your heart, how will we know which the Lord has not spoken? So how will we know if this is really from the Lord or if it's not? And then it goes on to say, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or not come true or, or, or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So pretty simple. Right? right, yeah. And this, I think it's interesting because God knew people would ask this question, right? It is an easy test. It's an easy test, right? Mm-hmm. The test is, if the guy says, thus saith the Lord, here's a prophecy, how do I know if he's really from the Lord? Does it happen? Does the prophecy come true? Yeah, that's yeah. it. It's not a hard test. Meaning God is not going to send a prophet from him where they will speak a prophecy that does not come true. If no. they're a prophet from God, the prophecy will come true every single time they make a prophecy. Yeah. Well, and, and, and now think about this, Tyler. This only makes sense because mm-hmm. God's trying to get people's attention right. through prophets, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to get—he sends a prophet to say, call back my people to follow after me, right? In the Old Testament, this right, is what yeah. prophets for. Tell them to follow after me. Tell them to keep my commands. <clears throat> How can you know if a person's really from God? Well, you need some outside evidence, Right, yeah. Right? And that's where the prophecies come in. These guys come and yeah. they tell what's going to happen in the future. Then when it does happen, people know this person's really from God. I should listen right. to what they say. And then that's the other thing about this test that I think is really interesting. If any of their prophecies fail, so you could, let's say that uh, Moses, mm-hmm. that something that he prophesied, or uh, um, Ezekiel, or like any of the prophets in the Old Testament that, that are well known, if any of them speak a prophecy, uh, of any kind that they say is from the Lord, mm-hmm. and it doesn't come to pass, then that they're not from God. Even if they have some that may have come true, if there was one point where they said, hey, th- th- this is going to happen, and it doesn't, this prophecy test in Deuteronomy says that they are not from God. Yeah, and, right? that, and that those prophecies aren't something that the Lord has spoken. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's why I, um, <laughs> it's a fun exercise to do, to, if, to apply this and look at Old Testament prof- prophets, and you can see that Everything that we have from them that they prophesied on all came true. Yeah. Well, it is. It's amazing to look at that. And even stuff with Jesus, right? Because Jesus prophesied about things, and so did the things he prophesied about actually happen and come true. And how do we know he's legitimate and worth listening to, right? I mean, the resurrection, we we spent a whole six weeks on the resurrection last month. Oh, yeah. Um, But that's a really great prophecy. He said... I'm going to come out of the grave, right? You can tear down this yeah, temple, but in right. three days I'll rise it, right? Just like the sign of Jonah, right? It was in the belly of the beast for three days, so the Son of Man will be in the ground. 
um, yeah. So right. that's a pretty legit prophecy, right? Yeah, he predicted no he'd come back from the dead, and then he did it. Um, but so, so when you're talking with your Mormon friend, you want to have them turn to Deuteronomy 18 and read it themselves. I think that's yeah. a good tactic: is to make <laughs> them read the scripture. And then, like we've been doing, is saying this is a pretty simple test, right? If it yeah, comes I true, would say so. they're legit. If it doesn't come true, they're not legit, right? Right, right. And so, Robbie, we have we have some uh, prophe- uh, a prophecy from Joseph Smith that we wanted to talk about today, right? That's a, yes, a big one. And then, what happens when we apply this Deuteronomy passage to? Joseph Smith's prophecy. Exactly. And that's what you yeah. want to say to your Mormon friends, right? Well, right. let's take this this prophecy test and apply it to Joseph Smith. Yeah, so you want to read this to them and yep. say, would you say that this is accurate? Makes sense, right? And majority of the time, you would, I mean, at least... Yeah, they'll say yes. Say, they'll say yes, yeah. Yep. And then you take them to this, all right? So right. if you're if you're taking notes out there, you want to, you want to know where this is. Um, this is from the Doctrines and Covenants. This is a uh, Mormon uh, scripture. Uh, Joseph Smith wrote most of the DNC. He didn't write everything. There's a couple of... Uh, I can't remember what they're called, the appendixes, the Word of Wisdom, and mm. then there's another one from 1978. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember off the top of my head who wrote those. I can't those. remember if they're... Yeah, it was it was the, but, the later prophets. Yeah, but, but he didn't write all of it. No, he wrote yeah. most of it except for those two... Right, yeah. Um, those two addendums or appendixes. Right, yeah. But so this is from Joseph Smith in Doctrines and Covenants, which is Mormon scripture, and this is what it says. This is from Doctrines and Covenants 84, 2 through 5, and 31. Joseph Smith says, Yea, the word of the Lord concerning his church, established in the last days for the restoration of his people, as he has spoken by the mouth of his prophets, and for the gathering of his saints to stand upon Mount Zion, which shall be the city of New Jerusalem, which city shall be built beginning at the temple lot, which is appointed by the finger of the Lord in the western boundaries of the state of Missouri, and dedicated by the hand of Joseph Smith and others with whom the Lord was well pleased. Verily, this is the word of the Lord, that the city, New Jerusalem, shall be built by the gathering saints, beginning at this place, even the place of the temple, which temples shall be reared in this generation. For verily, this generation shall not pass away until a house shall be built unto the Lord, and a cloud shall rest upon it, which cloud shall be even the glory of the Lord, which shall fill this house. Therefore, as I said concerning the sons of Moses, for the sons of Moses and also the sons of Aaron shall offer an acceptable sacrifice and offering in the house of the Lord, which shall which house shall be built unto the Lord in this generation upon the consecrated spot as I have appointed. Hmm. So Joseph Smith made this prophecy before his death, <clears throat> and this prophecy is stating yeah. that the a Mormon temple will be built in Independence, Missouri, right? Right. And he says that that's where the New Jerusalem is. This is the appointed place where God has pointed out where they will build this new temple and the New Jerusalem will be and the new Zion will be in the western bounds of Missouri, right? (laughs) And he even says at the last sentence, upon the consecrated spot as I have appointed. Meaning I picked the exact spot. Yep, the exact spot. And so this is what's interesting about this. He says a couple of times in there also, in this generation, in this generation, Right? Right. So what's the prophecy? The prophecy is the Lord told Joseph Smith, because he says this, Verily this is the word of the Lord, that the new Jerusalem 
and a temple will be built in Independence, Missouri in this generation. So that's very specific. A specific thing is going to happen in a specific place at a specific time. Now, the problem with this is what? It didn't happen. It's never happened. No. To yeah. this day, there is still no temple in Independence, Missouri yeah, on this right. lot. Well, and That's you know, a big deal. And You know what's crazy? Uh, so, so it didn't happen um, in Joseph Smith's lifetime in his generation. So at the time... You had to think, okay, well, let's give him the benefit of doubt. Maybe it, he was talking about the upcoming generation. Well, right? listen, I've asked Mormons about right? this, and that's yeah. what they say. They say, well, generation doesn't mean like those people who are alive. Right, yeah. It can mean, you know, in this time period, in this epoch, right? And I love this because they say, okay, let's pretend that's what it means. You, you still got a huge problem, and that's what you're going to bring up right now. Right, yeah. And that's what I was going to say. So you could say the next, it could be the upcoming, gen- like that next following generation. But yeah. the thing is, is the next generation's prophet uh, that they had, well, one of the prophets, Orson Pratt, 38 years later, 38 years after this, yeah, he said... About this, uh, about this prophecy specifically, he said, We have just as much confidence in returning to Jackson County in the building of a great city that will remain there a thousand years before the earth passes away as the Jews have in returning to Jerusalem and rebuilding the waste places of Palestine. In fact, we have more faith than they have. For they have been so many genera- they have been so many generations cast out of their land that their descendants have almost lost their faith in returning. But the Latter-day Saints are fresh, as it were. There are many of the old stock who pass through all those tribulations I have named still living, whose faith in returning to Jackson County and, and the things that are coming is as firm and as fixed as the throne of the Almighty. And this was Elder Orson Pratt himself Yep. Uh, in the disc. And he said this in the discourse uh, delivered to the tabernacle in Salt Lake City in 1870. This is and a huge issue because think about what he's saying here, Tyler. Yeah. Uh, now think about this. So this is 1870, right? Yeah, yeah. What did he say? He said, we believe what Joseph Smith said. We know we're going back to Jackson County. That's Missouri. And yeah. we believe this temple's going to be built. Why? Because there's still some people that were there at the time yeah. who are alive. And right. he said in this generation. That's the generation. And then not only that, he even goes as far as to brag and say that Mormons have more faith than Jews. I know. I love it because he says, he says they've yeah. been waiting to be restored to their land even longer than us, and they've lost hope. But we haven't lost hope because our God's real, basically. And guess what happened in 1946? Nothing. Well, nothing for the Mormons, but for the Jews, they got put back in the land. Well, yeah, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> it's easy to say this in 1870, but guess what? God fulfilled his promise to Abraham by bringing the Jews and getting yeah. them back <laughs> to land. So, like, it's, it is funny reading that yeah, now because yeah. that would be easy to say before, but now you can't say that. Now you can say, wait a second. It seems like the God of the Bible once again proved himself to be legitimate, and the prophecy of Joseph Smith still hasn't happened. I know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, that, and then it goes crazy. I mean, it gets even crazier with that. Um, he keeps on saying, he doubles down on this, too. Yeah, because that first quote's from April 10th, 1870. Yes, and then this next quote is from May 5th, So 1870. less than a month later. Yes, he, he furthers uh, what he said before with this quote. He said, God promised in the year 1832 
that we should, before this generation, then living, had passed away, return and build up the city of Zion in Jackson County, that we should return and build up the temple of the Most High, where we formerly laid the cornerstone. He promised us that he would manifest himself on that temple, that the glory of God should be upon it, and not only upon the temple, but within it, even a cloud by day and flaming fire by night. We believe in these promises as much as we believe in the promise ever uttered by the mouth of Jehovah. The Latter-day Saints just as much expected to receive a fulfillment of that promise during the generation that was in existence in 1832. As they expect, the sun will rise and set tomorrow. Why? Because God cannot lie. He will fulfill all his promises. He has spoken, it must come to pass, this is our faith. And to this day, wow. to this day, there is still not an LDS temple built in Independence, Missouri. I love what he says. God cannot lie, right? Yeah. We fully expect that that's the generation that was in existence in 1832 will see this happen. Why? Because God, God can't lie. lie. He'll fulfill his promises. He has spoken. It must come to pass. Um, I would agree with him that mm-hmm. God cannot lie. I would disagree that God spoke that promise. Yeah. That's, that's the difference. Isn't that, isn't that <clears throat> the key point there? When he says God cannot lie and then all of a sudden this doesn't happen. Yep. And not, not just all of a sudden. I mean, th- this is – he said this – in 1870, few, it is 2019. A few, a few generations have passed since then. Yeah, and, yeah. And his, and this is what's interesting. When people say, "Well, Joseph Smith could have meant, you know, in this time period, not not specifically, you know, for right. for uh, that exact people group," you say, "Well, well, listen, Orson Pratt's interpretation. One of the guys who was there, he dealt, he says it's for those people who were in attendance." His understanding mm-hmm. of it was that generation, right? Yeah, that, that, that's just crazy <clears throat> to me. And to think you can read this, and e- even for him to say that, mm-hmm. uh, I, I can tell it seems as though, especially in his second quote, he almost seems like he's just trying to reassure everybody, like, no, this is going to happen. Yep. Because I think they're well, starting they're already to out like, in Salt Lake. They're already so far from yeah. Missouri. They're thinking, how is this going to occur? And people are dying off. Yeah, people were probably starting <clears throat> to lose hope. And then he's like, no, we have faith, more faith than the Jews. Then it doesn't happen. And then... Orson Pratt dies, and it still doesn't happen. And it still hasn't happened for, for another 100 and, what, 50 years Yeah, now. and it's still not there. And, and it's then, still not there. Okay, Robbie, and even if they went ahead and the church somehow bought that land and built a building on there, yeah, the prophecy still didn't come true. Because it said wasn't it would this happen. generation. Yeah, yeah, he said it would happen in this generation, and that was... That was a long time ago. <laughs> yep, you've got it. But they still, there's not even any, there's no building there. No, there's nothing there. Yeah. And, and so this is the question. When we apply the Deuteronomy 18 test of a prophet to this prophecy of Joseph Smith, what do we conclude? Joseph Smith wasn't a prophet of God, and we should not be afraid of him. Exactly, because it did not happen. What he said was verily a word from the Lord, did not occur, Therefore, it's not a true prophecy of God. He's spoken, according to Deuteronomy 18, he's spoken presumptuously, right? And we should not listen to him, and we should not be afraid of him. Yeah. Now, I I like to say that when I'm talking with the Mormons. Leave them with that. Yeah, right. And say, now listen, you need to think about this or ask some other guys what the answer for it is from the LDS side. But let let me show you what a real prophecy looks like. Because Joseph Smith prophesied about a temple that didn't occur. But Jesus prophesied something about the temple that did occur. And I love taking them to Mark 13, 1 through 2. All right? So this is what Mark 13, 1 through 2 says. 
As he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. Mm. So Jesus made <clears throat> this prophecy, right? He's saying a specific thing. Oh, look at the temple. Isn't it beautiful? And he says, listen, not one of the stones is going to be left on top of each other. It's going to be torn down. He made this prophecy before he died. Uh, and depending on what your dating is, <clears throat> he either died in 30 AD or 33 AD. I'm partial to the 30 AD. I think that's more legitimate. But he, so he made mm -hmm. it prior to 33 30 right, AD, yeah. right? <clears throat> the temple that he was referring to did get completely destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans when they came and they ransacked Jerusalem, right? When the, the Romans uh, um, destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD, they tore down the temple stone by stone, and they threw the stones off of the Temple Mount wall, mm. okay? To this day, Tyler, you can go to Jerusalem and you can see these stones that were thrown off the Temple Mount because they crushed the, the, the road, the cobblestone pavement kind of thing underneath. And they're humongous. I think it's limestone. They're humongous uh, square cut stones. Yeah, right. And they just were chucked off the side by the Romans <laughs> and they broke the road below. And you can go and see those very stones today. What Jesus prophesied happened and... 2,000 years later, we have evidence that it happened. Yeah. You can go sit on these stones that were thrown off uh, of, of the Temple Mount. Jesus has provided us with archaeological evidence that his prophecy was legitimate. Yeah, and that was 2,000 years ago. So, so what does that mean of Jesus? Let's apply the Deuteronomy test to Jesus. That, that he, what he said happened. Yeah, then he is a prophet from God. <laughs> He's a true prophet from God. We should listen to what he says, right? Yeah, right. And if that's true, and I listen to what Jesus says then I know Mormonism's false. Yeah. Right? Because there's right. so many other passages that talk about what the gospel is. There's so many other places where Jesus says, no one comes from to the Father except through me. Not yeah. through your temple work, right? Not, not through your good deeds, but through Jesus alone. Yeah, and we even talked about uh, in the resurrection series that we did last month that just the resurrection in itself is a prophecy come true from Jesus. He, he said that he would be restored... On, on, on the third day, and that yep. he did, and he was, and that's that's what we talk about further in our evidence of the resurrection series that we went through. And so, um, uh, but just thinking through all of that, uh, when you when you compare Jesus as a prophet with Joseph Smith, mm -hmm. and you see you can see drastically just like the difference there, and that obviously like one has tons of evidence that that, that the, his prophecy came to be came to pass, and the other we can still go to the location today where his prophecy didn't occur. Yeah, for one we can give archaeological evidence that he was correctly a prophet. For the other we can give uh, the archaeological lack of evidence. Yeah, that, that he's is, a prophet. Because you can go. We didn't talk about this, but you can yeah. go to Independence, Missouri today. Yeah, and you can see this field where this temple was supposed to be built, where mm -hmm. the cornerstone was laid, and it's not there. There's a plaque there. Yeah, that says this is where the Mormon temple was supposed to be built, and it's just an empty field. Yeah. There is evidence that Joseph Smith is a false prophet. Yeah, he's right. not a true prophet at all. And this is what I think is important when you're talking to to um, your LDS uh, neighbor or your LDS missionaries who've come over. Is the, again, it takes. Uh, my friend Brett Kunkel told me it takes like seven years for a Mormon who's questioning Mormonism. Yeah. to leave Mormonism because there's so much tied up with family and identity and it's it's harder well, than just switching a belief. And I mean, I've been to a, 
uh, a service before, and mm-hmm. like I've seen what what they do basically in the, um, the wards, and it's uh, a lot of what they do as a church community is it's reaffirming that the Book of Mormon is true, and it's yeah. like a, gathering around each other. Yeah, like I believe Joseph Smith was a true prophet. That yep. they repeat that testimony. Yep, their whole lives. I mean, when they're growing up in the church, that's just something that's it's really hard, especially for uh, an older person who's who grew up in the LDS church. Yeah, it's hard to leave. leave. Yeah. Because that's what you know and that's your identity. That's your friends, that's your family, that's your whole community. Uh which by the way, that's that's another thing too. Uh I mean the only way that a Mormon can go to a form of hell, which is outer darkness is if you leave the Mormon church. That's and that's important for this discussion, right? Yeah, and, it is. And, and that's what they call sons of perdition. Sons yes. of perdition will go to hell. They don't even believe Hitler is in hell. Yeah, they right? believe he's in the lowest the lowest uh, level of heaven. Yeah. Yep. There's the. Uh, oh man, I always get these wrong. There's I think the it's terrestrial. Celestial, well. terrestrial, and celestial. The names are right. I just can't remember the order. Yeah, celestial's the top. Well, yeah, yeah. No and bad. then I think it's terrestrial's the middle, and celestial's the bottom. I think I yeah. might be wrong on this, but you might have to switch those two. But they believe that depending on how good you are in your life, you go to a different one. And only Mormons that live out Mormonism really well can get to the celestial kingdom. Yeah, but I'm gonna go to the middle kingdom, and they, I've had Mormons, Mormons affirm that to me because I love Jesus and I'm a good person. Yeah, so I'm gonna go there. But Hitler went to the bottom level, right? Right. So they don't even believe it, and Adolf Hitler goes to hell. But you know who they do believe go to hell? Satan and demons and Mormon ex Mormons and ex Mormons. Yeah. Yep, sons of perdition. Yeah. So the only way. And I've asked Mormons this. I say, okay, so you're telling me that I'm guaranteed to go to heaven unless I become a Mormon, because then there's a possibility I don't go to heaven. Yeah, but yeah, I've said that to them before too. But then what you'll hear them say in response to that is they'll say, well, you can't get into the celestial kingdom. But I'd say it's a way better bet that I'm going to go to the middle. And I actually yeah. last week when I met with these other guys, I, I I told them this. I said, listen, most likely 99% of Mormons are going to the middle kingdom, right? Because it's so hard to live Mormonism. It's impossible. Yeah. And they said, yeah. Okay, yeah. Most Mormons, yeah, probably will. And I say, and that's where I'm going, right? Yes. And then I say, why do I need Mormonism? Yeah. I'm already headed to the same place that most of you guys are all headed. Well, you need it because if you wanted to get to the celestial kingdom, you have to have it. And I'd say, well, what's the difference? If, uh, if, I, if I'm trying as hard as I can as a Mormon, I'm still not going to make it because, man, perfection and repentance and all these things, and it's difficult. Like, it's, it's yeah. impossible to do. <clears throat> so I'm going to the middle level. You're going to the middle level. The only difference is if you become a Christian and Mormonism's true, you're a son of perdition, right? Yeah. And you might go to hell. And that's why that Deuteronomy 18 passage is so important because it says if a prophet speaks presumptuously, right, it doesn't come true. It says don't listen to him and don't be afraid of him. Yeah. And that's something you need to emphasize with them is you don't need to be afraid of Joseph Smith. Mm. If he's a false prophet— this whole sons of perditions thing is false too, right? And you don't need to believe yeah, that mean, you would go to hell if you left. Because you got to think that's a fear put in there. Because if oh, a Mormon's yeah. thinking, you know what, like I want to leave the faith, I, I'm starting to have a lot of doubts. They're they're gonna they're gonna think back to that. Well, if I'm wrong and I leave, I'm going to hell. Yep. Yeah, and that's got to be terrifying. It is. Yeah. It's a control mechanism. Is it, what is, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it is terrifying. It's it's really scary to believe that that could happen to you. And that's that's one of the things. It's not the only. Yeah. And that's one of the things that keeps them in it. Is man, I don't want to chance that, right? Right. But the truth of it is, Mormonism is false, and and Joseph Smith is a false prophet, and everything he says is bogus. Yeah. So you don't need to believe what the Book of Mormon says. You don't need to believe. And if, and if one part of what he says is a blatant lie, like this Independence yes. Missouri Temple, then, man, that brings into question all of it, doesn't it? 
Yeah, and that, that's the thing. Uh, something that's really important to um, distinguish here is, um, a, a, like, so I've, I've had I've had some people uh, ask before mention it that they they wonder if uh, Mormons can go to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard. I'm sure you might have heard someone ask this before, Robbie, at some point, or have heard that question. Do Mormons go to heaven still? From Christians, I mean. Sure. Uh, well, the thing is, if they don't believe in who the true Jesus is, no, then they can't. No, because Jesus, Jesus is the only way to salvation. And Mormons, uh, for their faith, they believe that you just have to, uh, you have to believe that the Book of Mormon is true and that Joseph Smith was a true prophet of God and be baptized into the church. Yep. And then that's how you were saved. That's how you get saved. Yeah, and 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 do a lot of work to get exalted, yeah. right? Yeah. Because there's and, two forms of salvation in, in right. Mormonism. But right. Yeah. And uh, so that's a clear. That's a very important distinction to make. And uh, and so. You just have to have to be aware of that that um, Mormons really need Jesus. They need yep. to know the true Jesus and who He is, and that He died for them, and that He loves them, and uh, that that's something that we should be making the driving point of evangelizing when we come and talk to Mormons. We don't have to. Uh, it doesn't matter if uh, we convince them about polygamy and Joseph Smith and that uh, that he was a terrible person. And yeah, all or the holy terrible, underwear. Yeah, or holy underwear rituals. or anything. Yeah, because I'm sure they hear all of that all the time yep. from people. Uh, um, but what really matters is, do they know Jesus? Yep, and if we can get to the heart of the matter by showing them that the gospel teached isn't the true gospel, right. that Joseph Smith isn't a legit prophet, right? That the, the the works they're doing to attain salvation are impossible. Those are things that attack the, the core beliefs and hopefully will we'll shake them and wake yeah. them up to believing in what's mm. actually true, seeing how false these things are. And that's the hope, right, with with this tactic, is you want to show them Joseph Smith's a false prophet, but you want to show them Jesus is a legit prophet. Right. Jesus is better. I want you to follow Jesus. He, he's true. He's right. He's proved it. He's not asking you just to follow him blindly. He's left these stones in Jerusalem you can go check out today. Like yeah, He wants right, you to right. know because he's a good God and he actually cares about you. Joseph Smith, though, wasn't. And he didn't leave good evidence. Yeah. Uh, because we can go to that empty field today and see the lack of evidence. Yeah, right. Well, I hope that this has been helpful to you today. Remember, when you're talking with your LDS friends, love them, be kind to them, buy them dinner, hang out with them. They're, a lot of them come from really solid homes, and they're, they're kind of thrown into like a, a dormitory of Mormons, and they're going out and getting door slammed in their face all day. And it's really a, a breath of fresh air when they meet somebody who's kind to them yeah. and loves them, especially somebody who's not LDS who still treats them well and loves them, pays for dinner and, and donuts out of their own pocket because you want to show love to, to these LDS missionaries. So please think through uh, how you are going about um, talking with, yeah. with these yeah. LDS guys about the faith when they come to your door. But we hope that this podcast has been encouraging to you. We want to equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and to be confident in their faith. And that, that's what we're all about here. We want you to know why you believe what you believe but then be able to go out and tell other people about it because Jesus is real, not just for us, but he's real for all people, for all times, in all places. And we want people to know what the gospel of Jesus is. So thanks so much for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Tyler, I'm so glad you're back. It's good to be back. It is good, man. So thanks again for being with us today, and we will be back next week. All right, thank you. You have been listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more information, visit our website at dscchurch.com.